in your face. It's all Adam's fault. It's <laughs> throw it on the sound guy. But anyway, thank you for being here this morning. It's great to, to see you. A couple of announcements real quick. Uh, first time guest, if you are here for the first time, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your Sunday to be with us. In the back there, we have a table with uh, some bags. We have our traditional bags with the tumbler in it. And the new uh, gift is a shopping bag. I should have brought one up to model. Ta-da. Oh, <laughs> Tiffany's bringing one. Uh, so, so feel free to grab one of these, take it to the store, save on the, the plastic bags that end up in the ocean. But grab one of those as a thank you for being here. Uh, tithes and offerings, if you have any gifts you'd like to give, uh, back at the kiosk, you can give there or at lifechurchutah.com. And again, thank you for your continued faithfulness in your giving. Uh, it does make an impact. It helps ministries to continue. Uh, as we saw last week with the Convoy of Hope, it is impacting people's lives around the world, not just here, but around the world. Now, if you were here last week, you know that we started a new series going through the book of Mark. We are in week two of that series, and as we go through it, we're not going to hit every single story. Uh, we are going to kind of go through and pick some key stories, some uh, stories that we uh, want to really highlight, some truths and principles. So if we skip over one of your favorite, I'm sorry. It's, it is on purpose, but it's not because we didn't want to do it. It's... Um, we just got a timeline, and uh, anyway, away from that, <laughs> digging a hole. Uh, anyway, so last week we looked at who Mark was. He, his name, uh, he went by John Mark, or John, or Mark, mostly by Mark, and we saw his influence that he had in the region around where he lived, uh, some of his missionary journeys, down at, uh, starting the church in Egypt, and going out with his cousin Barnabas, and uh, we looked at how he was a, an influ- a, a disciple of Peter, and how Peter, uh, through his sermons, uh, Mark wrote his gospel. And we saw that his uh, gospel is, is so tightly uh, linked with, uh, well, not linked, it's a synoptic gospel, and a lot, it was written first, and a lot of his uh, gospel is in Matthew and Luke. And I shared this thought with you last week. When we are willing, Jesus calls us into his greater purpose for our lives. When we are willing, Jesus calls us into his greater purpose for our lives. And we looked at the idea, this principle of repentance, that I'm walking this direction. I am doing what I want to do. And through repentance, meaning that we turn away from that lifestyle and go in a direction of following God and living by his principles, that he then guides us and leads us to a higher calling, a calling that he has put on our lives. And we looked at the life of John the Baptist and the, Jesus calling his first disciples. And I posed this question to you, what would have happened had John not stepped into God's greater calling for his life? Who would have prepared the way? Who would have been that voice in the wilderness? 
if the disciples weren't willing to immediately leave their nets and follow Jesus and be his disciples? What would have the early church looked like? Would there have been the same influence in the culture and in the community? And then I asked the question, what does it look like when we don't allow God to use us for that higher purpose he has called us to? How is the story being changed because we are not doing what God has called us to do? The idea that God has a higher purpose or calling for our lives and that when we allow him to use us in it, we are able to affect change for his kingdom. Now, the story I'm going to share, I, I share kind of out of reluctance, uh, not out of shame, but I don't want to give a false impression. I believe that the story fits well with today's message, so I will share it. But mind you, the place, what took place in this story has not happened since. I don't know why. I can't explain why it happened in the first place and why it hasn't happened since. But without further ado, here is the story. As a lot of you know, I grew up in West Valley at the West Valley Campus Church. Uh, grew up there my whole life. Uh, went to church every Sunday with my, my mom and my sisters. And it wasn't until I was 18 years old that I really gave my life to Christ. It was a true repentance. It was... I was doing my own thing. Now, God, here I am. I'm serious about following you, your teachings, your leadings. And I was consumed with wanting to know more. I was consumed with exploring this newfound faith in Christ. And it was the summer of 2001. I was working at a cabinet shop in Magna. For those of you that don't know, that's on the west side of the Salt Lake Valley. I worked there with a friend. I delivered cabinets, drove a box truck. I've uh, always kind of been a delivery guy. That's what I do. And, um, but I had this routine, this, this ritual. My, my friend, he, he quit. He left, and um, I was by myself. I'd go to the, the shop, load up my truck full of the cabinets, and I would drive, and there was, now there's a new Smith's. No, it's a Walmart now. Is there a Smith still there? Yes, further down. Anyway, the one right there in Magna, I would stop, and I would grab three donuts and a pint of milk. And I would eat those three donuts and drink that pint of milk before I usually made it to my first stop. I would also go there and get lunch. I love their corn dogs, their burritos, their potato wedges, everything that's not good for you. Uh, almost like a challenge to my uh, metabolism, like saying, hey, burn this. And for, for an 18-year-old guy, I, I, it did for a while, and I learned I can only push it so far. Um, but it's on one of those days that I got lunch that this story takes place. And back before there was COVID and you could actually dine in, uh, they had some booths there. And I was sitting in a booth by the deli, and I had my uh, chicken strips, I had my potato wedges, and my soda of choice. And I'm dipping my chicken into my ranch sauce. Delicious. Someone said gross for those of you online. But uh, anyway, as I was sitting there, as clear as you can hear me now, I hear, heal him. He will come through in a wheelchair. And I look around to see who's around me. Like perhaps I overheard 
someone else's conversation. Perplexed and not knowing really what to do, I continued to eat my food. And again, I heard, heal him. He will come through in a wheelchair. The second time grabbed my attention. Grabbed it even more, realizing now that the Lord is speaking to me. I am now staring intently at the entrance of Smith's. Who's coming through that doorway? And sure enough, the next person that came through was someone in a wheelchair. My blood pressure begins to rise. I can feel my heart beating inside of my chest like it is right now, telling the story. And thoughts begin to soar through my mind. Did I hear what I really think I heard? Well, that's a guy in a wheelchair. Well, what do I do? You know what to do. Get up. Well, what if nothing happens? Well, nothing will happen if you don't get up. What do I say to him? Hey, I heard God talk to me. Can I pray for you? Yeah, it's exactly what you do. What do I do? Do you want to know what I did? I did nothing. I sat there scared. I sat there ashamed. I sat there disappointed in myself. I just sat there. Later, I asked my mentor, why? Why would this happen to me? Would it ever happen again? Did I disappoint God? And he told me to the first question, perhaps it was due to the fact that you were in a place where your faith was so strong and you were in a place where you were in tune with the Holy Spirit that God communicated to you that way. As far as happening again, he told me, I don't know. Just keep believing and trusting and remain open to God using you in that way. To the disappointment, I can't remember what he told me. But now, some 20 years later, I think of it this way. When my children do something that I've asked them to do and they don't do it, I do feel disappointment with their decision. I don't love them any less. I just hope that next time they'll step up and they'll do what I've asked them. And I kind of think of God in the same way. I'm sure he was disappointed because there should have been a miracle in Smith's that day. But there wasn't. But I believe he was saying and is still saying to me, next time, Forrest, next time. Have you ever had that moment where your faith was so strong that you believed God for anything? Has your faith ever been challenged to where you felt disappointment in yourself, in God, or the situation? Well, today we're going to look at this idea of powerful faith. We find the story in Mark chapter 2. Last week we left off with Jesus calling his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, where the Bible says that they immediately left their nets, they immediately left their father and went and followed Jesus. The rest of chapter 1, we see Jesus and his disciples go into Capernaum. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, and the people are amazed at his teachings. He teaches with authority and with power, and he's confronted by evil spirits. He casts out the evil spirits, the evil spirits proclaiming who he is. He is the Son of God. 
because of this, his fame begins to grow everywhere. People are now seeking him out. They want to see him. They want to know who this new teacher is. Jesus, we see him go to Simon Peter's house where Simon's mother is ill and he heals his mom and she begins to serve them and there he casts out more, pe- more demons and is healing more people and then they go back to Galilee. And there he heals a leper. Now the thing that's amazing about this story is in the Old Testament, you were not allowed to touch or be around somebody that had leprosy, a skin disease that made you ceremonially unclean. And so the fact that Jesus would take the time to interact and uh, talk with this person is outside the norms of Jewish culture. They, the, the, the leper was not to touch anybody, yet Jesus takes the time to heal him. And he teaches throughout the land. And this is where we pick up our story in chapter 2. I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 12, and it says this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many people gathered there that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carrying by, carried by four of them, since they could not give him, get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and, after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that it teaches us, that it challenges us, and I pray As we look at this idea of faith, that inside our own spirits and inside our own hearts, you would begin to build up our faith. As we go through this story, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, open our minds to know, to understand, our hearts to to receive it, our ears to hear that we would understand it. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as I was putting this together, the thought I had was this. Our faith stirs the heart of God and brings with it hope and healing. Our faith stirs the heart of God and brings with it hope and healing. Up to this point, what has Jesus' message been? Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here it is. Look and see, 
this great thing that God is doing. Hear the good news. Believe the good news. Because of this message, people are drawn to him. They want to hear what he has to say. He can't get away from the people. When he seeks solitude, the people somehow find him. Now Jesus has come home, and people seek him out, and they find him there. Now it's believed that he had made his home at Simon Peter's house. And, you know, I kind of like to think, you know, maybe... He's been out on a business trip in the neighboring town, and he's home, and he just wants to chillax. He's just kicking back, talking about the journey, hanging out with the guys. And these people show up to Peter's house, and they show up in such a number that there is no room, not in the doorway or around the house. You know, and that got me thinking, what did houses look like back then? Well, there were two different ways homes were made. One, they used caves. It was easier to make a home out of a cave because there's a hole and you just had to enclose it. And the cave gave a natural coolness to it in the warmer months. The second way would have been a square building with limestone walls, with uh, a roof with trusses. Now, in this style of home, you would have had one main room and then a back room. And this is the type of house Jesus would have been in. Now, as you can see in this picture, the roofs were not very steep. They didn't have a great pitch. It was just enough that the water would run off of it because the roof served almost as a second floor of the house. Um, in the warmer months, they would go up on the roof to talk, to pray, sometimes sleep hang clothing, so they made it structurally sound to where it was being used as a floor of the home, which I found quite interesting. So needless to say, these roofs were sturdy, and you can leave that picture up for a little bit. And so you could imagine, you arrive to this house that Jesus is at, and there is no way to get in. People are there, and Jesus is teaching. Everyone is trying to get closer to hear him so they could see him. Can you picture the scene? Everybody's like sardines. Quiet! I can't hear. Hey, hey, scoot that way. We might be able to get closer. Is that person leaving? Hurry, grab their spot. Will you quit pushing me? Can't you see I can't move? I kind of think of it like tracks after a youth game. I would, my father-in-law has season tickets, and we would go up, and sometimes we would... Uh, the ride of tracks up there is not bad because everybody's coming at different times. But when it's over and you get in that train, you're, you're in there like sardines, and you're closer than you want to be. You're, you're kind of... You're snug. And you kind of don't care because you, you want to get somewhere. And... That's how I kind of picture it, but in this case, they're in there packed because they want to hear Jesus. They want to hear the teachings of this new preacher. But this time, there's, there's more. There's a group of people that want more than to just hear the teacher, to just see the teacher. You see, they've heard the stories. 
His fame has spread throughout the land of his healings, of his dealings with people that shouldn't be dealt with in their culture. And they have someone. They have a need. They know that he can heal because they've heard the stories. They know that he's different than any other teacher because he teaches with one that has authority. He teaches different than the teachers of the law. And you have a friend. Your request, your need is not your own. You have a friend that needs a touch from Jesus. Do any of you have a friend that needs a touch from Jesus? Well, nothing is going to stop these men from getting their friend in front of him. They start tearing apart the roof. And you can't, look at that roof. It couldn't have been quiet. Like, they had to know what was going on, right? So then I'm thinking, well, perhaps it, nothing was done because they were in there so tight, no one could move. And Peter's like, whatever. Just, we'll roll with it. Perhaps it was the, the roof, because the roof was made to be used as a second floor. There was already commotion up there, and it just sounded like more noise up on the roof. Maybe everyone is so enthralled with what Jesus is saying and teaching that they don't even realize it's happening. We don't know how long it took. We just know that they got through. They dug through a roof that looks like that with a hole big enough to lower a man down on a mat. And here's where our story starts to get good. What does Jesus say when they finally get him in to the house? When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus goes straight to the heart, straight to the greater issue. He was lowered down because he needed a physical healing. But Jesus saw this man needs a spiritual healing. He sees, Jesus sees the one thing that he needs most, the one thing that has kept him separated from his creator, sin. And he is more concerned with healing him spiritually than physically in that moment. But now sitting in that same space are teachers of the law. They're students. They know better than anyone else, so they think. And they begin to question what happened. Verse 6 through 7. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, there's something that happens to us when we become educated. And don't mistake what I'm saying. I am not knocking education. It's good. We need it. My kids are in school. I went to school. Allison went to school. Education is good. It's important. We need to continue to be students, continue to learn, continue to grow. But something happens when we get educated we get this air about us we think that we know better because i know more what i think happens is because of our education we turn off the faith portion of our brains we begin to reason we begin to argue we rely on our intelligence sometimes more than our faith and i think this is why jesus said we need to have faith like that of a little child a child doesn't know everything they haven't learned, so all they have is trust. I think of Harrison. He trusts me because I tell him. Ava's a little older. She knows more. I get more questions when I ask her to do something. 
So like I said, education is good. Just when we become educated, we run this risk of losing that childlike faith. And we need to be cautious to keep our faith like a child as we learn. And Jesus responds to them immediately. Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Jesus wants to leave no doubt to his audience and to the teachers. He has the authority. He has the authority of God, not only to heal the body, but to heal the soul, to forgive sins. And he asks them, what's easier to do? To tell someone that they're forgiven or to actually have a paralyzed person get up and walk out of this building? I can tell you that I forgive you, but you can't verify it. You can't see it. So it's much easier to say your sins are forgiven. But Jesus is making a point. God has given me the authority not only to heal your soul and your body. He's given me authority over it all. It's here that I want to deviate just a little bit. Just last week, I spoke of 2021 being a year, a time of, of hope, a better tomorrow. And today we see in 2021 that it hasn't disappointed to do the exact, exact opposite in our country, in our culture. We are a nation that is divided. We are a people that are fractured, hurting, in desperate need of healing. And I think we as the church have done this nation a great disservice, and allow me to explain. As I say this, I am preaching to myself as much as I am talking to you. But we as the church have put so much stock, so much hope in man. Some think that because Trump won't be president, there is no hope. Others think that because Biden will be president, there will be hope. The other day I was challenged by a group of friends we were talking about current events and everything that's going on. And one of my friends, he posed this question. He's like, what kingdom are we fighting for? What kingdom are we fighting for? The American kingdom or God's kingdom? And then I saw this meme. And it says... Stop expecting America to be the kingdom of God and stop defending it like it is. It's just a country with both beauty and brokenness. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. So then I go to Colossians chapter 3 and it says this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 
My friends, I believe that we have certain unalienable rights. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. And I believe that God desires us to be a free people. If we learned anything through our study of Galatians, God wants us to be free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Unfortunately, there will always be people in this world that want to take that freedom from us. We live in a fallen world. And I believe we have a right to stand up and fight for that freedom. But the thing that I found concerning, the thing that worries me, is as I have read and as I have heard comments from people on social platforms, well, that's why I'm glad for the Second Amendment. It's time for a revolution. My friends, for too long we have put our hope and our faith in a political system of man. For too long we have relied on the empty promises of flawed humans. For too long we have been fighting flesh with flesh and blood with blood. Our struggle is not a struggle of flesh and blood. Go ahead and put up that verse. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. My battle isn't with the people. It's with the enemy of my soul that wants to see us enslaved. Church, violence is not the answer. A gun is not the answer. Riots are not the answer. A congressperson is not the answer. A president is not the answer. There is only one person that can turn this ship around, and his name is Jesus. There is only one that brings hope who brings healing, who brings freedom, and his name is Jesus. Yes, this country is on a fast track to disaster. We live in a land where people think that they can choose their gender, kill their babies because they're mistakes, say the ugliest things to each other without consequence, loot, rob, steal because they didn't get their way. There's a breakdown in the home where single parenthood is encouraged and dads are seen as not needed. Parents don't want to parent, People don't take responsibility for their actions. And we think that change is going to come because we vote somebody into office. My friends, until we, the church, get on our knees and pray to God, Lord, we repent. Forgive us of our sins, of our wicked ways, and please hear us from heaven and heal our land. We won't see anything change. We don't need another president that is conservative or liberal. We don't need another program, law, or handout. We need the God of heaven to pour out his spirit on all flesh and send revival to this land that we have not seen or known. Then and only then will we see our homes, our communities, our country start to heal. Only under God and his grace through Jesus Christ will we see restoration. What was it that caused Jesus to react to these men? What is it? Or was it because they lowered, it right, lowered him right in front of him? Well, he was surrounded by a ton of people that needed a touch. So I would say no. The Bible says he saw their faith. He saw their faith. Because of this faith, Jesus reacted. The miracle happened. Healing came, spiritual and physical healing. 
Well, how does our story end? Let's look at verse 12. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. My friends, our faith stirs the heart of God and brings with it hope and healing. Our faith stirs the heart of God and brings hope and healing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you react to our faith, and I thank you that we are able to come to you and to bring our needs before you. And I thank you that you are concerned with our spiritual healing and with our physical healing. And right now, in our land, in our culture, we need healing more than ever. And I pray that whatever we need individually, whatever we need in our, our, our families, in our workplace, in our communities, in our country, you would help our faith to rise up. That you would help us to believe and to cry out to you and call to you for that healing, for that touch. Build our faith that you get all the glory. We bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now before I go, I got a couple minutes and I got a reflection and a challenge for you. Reflection is this, can, you, can God see your faith? What are you trusting God for in 2021? What healing do you need? Take time this next week to think over these questions. And my challenge, if you have no faith, ask the Lord to help it grow. If you have it, ask God to do the miraculous. My friends, if we will stop being keyboard warriors and start being prayer warriors, if we will grab hold of the presence and the Spirit of God and pray for an outpouring of His Holy Spirit, healing will come for you, it will come for your home, it will come for this land. We have a country, a world that is in desperate need of the good news. They need to know what lies ahead for them, the freedom found in Christ. They just don't know it yet. May our faith be so strong that God sees it. And you don't need much. The Bible says you need only the size of a mustard seed. And that faith will move mountains. The mountains that God wants to move in your life. So let us believe God for healing of our hearts, of our land, and as a people. Let's walk away saying, I have never seen that before. May people say, I have never seen God do something like that. Before. May our focus be on the things of heaven and of God, seeking a heavenly solution, not an earthly one. May our faith move the heart of God, and God will get all the praise and all of the glory. I want to leave you with this quote by A.W. Towser. While it looks like things are out of control, behind the scenes there is a God who has not surrendered his authority. God is in control. He has a plan. God, give us the faith to trust and to walk with you and follow through with his plan. Amen? All right, I love you guys. Thank you for being here. Can't wait to see you next week. God bless.